the old energy gang's back together this Thursday on Where the Money Is. We've had some, not too bad, sorry. I just forgot we were back. We've had some substitutes the last few weeks, but here we are to talk about energy, mainly Saudi Arabia, ISIS, and then talk a little bit about beer and how it's been transported beer. around Texas. Yeah. What kind of beer? Hopefully Budweiser. Hopefully Budweiser. Eh, I prefer to talk about it rather than drink it, but I digress. For the next seven minutes, we'll probably get to it at the end of the show. Sure. First headline coming up from uh, Belfast Telegraph odd source for us on the show. You read it pretty frequently, don't you? Sometimes, you know, I always like to cross the pond, especially with the Scottish independence talk. Islamic State, ISIS, you talk, probably saw Obama talking about it last night. Saudi Arabia's oil wells are the ultimate goal for ISIS, says the Belfast Telegraph. Why not? Saudi Arabia has probably more reserves than anybody in the world in, as far as oil. The number one capacity, yes, we are producing more now, but mm-hmm. they have more capacity. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But, uh, you know, you've seen oil-heavy regions in the Middle East under conflict really since Arab Spring in 2011. handful of countries uprising there for one, two, three years, depending on which, which scenario you want to look at. But none of them really affected oil prices that much. But if ISIS is able to creep into Saudi Arabia, you could see that price spike incredibly high based on the fact that, yes, 60% of all proven global oil reserves are supposedly in Saudi Arabia, yep. uh, the fifth, fifth largest natural gas reserves in the world, and the largest crude oil production capacity in the world as well. So this is like a There's critical choke point. Yeah, I mean, yes, we are having a tremendous time here producing oil, but we don't have nearly the reserves that supposedly Saudi Arabia has. ISIS is already making a couple million dollars a day from oil that they've, that they've uh, kind of taken over in northern Iraq, mm-hmm. and then they've also taken over some fields in northern Syria. Saudi Arabia's a long way away, and if it ever comes to that, you know, we're probably going to step up our game a little bit more, but just the thought of it has got to creep into people's minds on the energy side. Uh, yeah, it definitely is, and I think it's scary because it seems that every war that we're entering or any conflicts that are coming up are still all about oil. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they go into Saudi Arabia, yes, we would have to go and probably help them out because that would, that would pretty much sink the oil markets yeah. if, if uh, that amount of capacity... Uh, actually came offline, but you know if, if you if you really look into it, I, I, it, the United States is in a kind of a tough place here because if they were to go and back up Saudi Arabia, that would just increase the amount of recruits that ISIS gets, and right. just kind of that vicious cycle. Uh, you know, I'm, we're not political strate- strategists here, so you know that's not what we're really focused on. But this, I think, this is worrisome. This is something that Saudi Arabia is going to have to address. Uh, this is something that they will have to actually start looking into and, and sending troops or forces to really control what's happening right now in mm-hmm. Iraq because, uh, yeah, when they take over some of the Iraqi oil fields, they're looking at, what, 3 million barrels a day. Yeah. That's, that, that is a lot, but nothing compared to what Saudi Arabia has. And they're only getting like 30,000 of that right now, so nothing too major. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably two counties in the United yeah. States <laughs> worth. So it's nothing too big right now, but if they keep getting a lot more, uh, politi- or more politicized this could be troublesome for the oil markets. Yeah, that's how Osama bin Laden originally separated from Saudi Arabia when we had boots on the ground there mm-hmm. trying, to get, trying to get Saddam Hussein with the whole Kuwait disaster. Um, so obviously if we put more boots on the ground there, ISIS is going to gather some stuff. Yeah, and, and I think if you look at the price of oil right now, it's still, you know, we're looking at a year, two-year lows right mm-hmm. now. So this isn't uh, something that's really affecting the markets right now. People aren't looking at this saying that this is a big threat. Right. Uh, oil prices aren't creeping up 
with expectations of this to actually escalate. I just found it interesting that Obama didn't mention oil at all in his speech last night. I figured that would have been a pretty big thing to talk about, uh, other than him talking about us being as close to energy independence as we've been a long time, but he didn't mention once oil fields in Saudi Arabia. So kind of interesting because that's where a lot of people are thinking they're Mm -hmm. headed. Turning to our next headline, we're looking at Forbes. You talked about the price of oil being at one or two year lows. Sub 100 oil is just a price, not a signpost, says Forbes. It's right around $97 for Brent. I think last time it was below 100 was July of last year, so a little over a year. Um, And West Texas is around $90. You've seen, the if you look at ETF, the Energy Select Spider ETF, it's ticker XLE, mm-hmm. down a little over 4% this month, with the Dow relatively flat. Energy companies, I have them in my portfolio. I know you do too. Oh, yeah. Hasn't been a fun couple weeks, but it could be a buying point because a lot of these countries in OPEC have a floor that they need oil prices to be at. You've seen Saudi Arabia pull back about 300,000 barrels of production this month versus last month. Other countries in that in that group or that cartel have picked up production. So overall, OPEC is still pretty flat. Mm -hmm. But to see Saudi Arabia pull back, when Citibank says that they need a floor of about $90 a barrel to to maintain uh, their fiscal budget, and that's going to keep increasing as we move on. Yeah, Um, there's estimates that they need upwards of $100 already. And Russia is the the same way, another oil-producing country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you do need, I think there is that floor. And if you look at Tibu Pickens, who recently was again on CNBC talking about Hundred dollar oil is here to stay. Yep. You might see it slip down like we are right now, but you know we're we're going to see it creep back up because even with all the production we're doing in the United States, a lot of the shell drilling, you know we have a floor here too. That eighty dollar oil, you're going to see yeah, producers stop, yeah. stop producing, which will start moving that price back mm-hmm. back up. And a lot of new fields we're hitting are more expensive. So ninety dollars, I, I really don't see it going too much lower than that. Especially over the long term, if you're looking yeah. a year or two out, I think that's going to be the lowest, and it will be back to 100 or above. Yeah, you might have these short-term blips, but as soon as OPEC countries have the ability to alter production to, to rectify that, mm-hmm. 85% of Saudi Arabia's co- uh, revenue comes from oil exports. That's not something that they can readily sacrifice for longer than a few months mm-hmm. because that will just throw the whole situation into a, a big kerfuffle. I mean, their country runs on subsidies, food, energy, um, anything you can name runs on subsidies because they make so much money on oil. Yeah, I mean, you named it right there, and we're just talking about the supply side. If yeah. you look at the demand side, there's a lot of growth in China still, India, Asia overall. There's uh, The actual co- consumption is supposed to increase by about 40% over mm-hmm. the next you know, 15 to 20 years. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot more uh, need for the commodity. Uh, it's, there's, it's in place, but it's just more expensive to extract. So you're going to look at you know, having the actual sign of oil being $100, $110 for the foreseeable future, I think. So I guess if investors are looking at this and they see that for no other reason other than the price being low, stocks falling in the energy sector, mm-hmm. could, be a time, could be a time to yeah. look at some companies to buy that have made a really nice run over the last couple of years. Anything like this, I mean, a 4 or 5 10% pullback, welcome the buying opportunity. I, I agree 100%. Cool. We're in agreement on that. Let's talk about beer now. That's, that's, a, that's a good, uh, Forbes, good is, Forbes is getting into it. You want to give us the headline? Yeah, sure. We got uh, Forbes. It's a Budweiser puts its diesel trucks out to pasture and it switches to natural gas. Uh, this is They're looking at the actual... Clydesdale reference there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is Budweiser. <laughs> so they're looking at uh, putting all 66 trucks in the Houston area 
um, out to pasture. These are trucks that are not aged. Nope. They're not old trucks. They're saying, uh, you know, we're going to look as we need new uh, infrastructure, new trucks to get. We're not going to, um, or we're going to move to natural gas vehicles. They're actually ones that are in good use, and they're just moving this way because they're seeing not only trying to be green, which is something that they're just throwing out there as you know their goodwill, but right. it's actually pretty cost efficient. If you look at the amount of the, the, these trucks are basically used 24 hours a day. They say on average they're about 126 thousand miles driven a year. Uh, average car is about 12,000. Yeah. From so, so if you look at the truck, it's about 70 to 75 thousand dollars more to have the compressed natural gas engines inside. But with that many miles, it pays for it in yeah. what six, seven months because you're saving about a dollar um, if you're using compressed natural gas compared to diesel. So, um, you know, I think this is a move that we've been seeing. It's going to take a long time to actually play out. Natural gas in the heavy-duty uh, industry is is good, here to stay, mm-hmm. and you're seeing more and more companies move into it. And you know, Budweiser, this is kind of their sampling ground. Obviously, in Houston, it's a little bit cheaper, more infrastructure right. there. But the infrastructure, a little bit of natural out. gas in Houston. But the infrastructure is building out throughout the United States. Yeah, I think there's about 1,200 fueling stations right now across the United States. Only growing clean energy fuels is about half of those, and like you mentioned, it's about 30 percent cheaper at the pump versus diesel. So talking about the mileage that these cars are driving or these heavy-duty trucks, I think that's a big point, too, is these are heavy-duty trucks as opposed to the fleet vehicles that you've seen as the early adopters. Cummins is making this possible with that 12-liter engine that they came out with, compressed natural gas. Um, They have a lot of more trucks all around the the country. Mm -hmm. This is just a small sampling, but it's a a move in the right direction for this company. and Houston's a great testing ground for this. Yeah, I think just if you look at natural gas vehicles or and, and heavy-duty vehicles overall, you need three things to happen. You have to have a reliable engine, mm-hmm. which we've proven so many different manufacturers have successfully built these natural gas engines. You also need the refueling stations, which you addressed, 1,200 uh, and counting. There's yep. a lot more coming in place. You know, um, clean energy fuels, TV Pickens, really trying to get that infrastructure in place. And you're talking about heavy-duty vehicles, so you don't need them in every corner. So you can actually have them miles apart, but mm-hmm. that is something that is building out. It is going to take time. The, still, the unknown is what natural gas prices are going to be. Are they going to remain at the $4 mark or below? It's looking like that's going to be the long-term price. It really hasn't moved a whole lot outside yep. of the winter months when it's freezing cold. So, you know, there's a lot of natural gas out there. And the, the untapped, yeah. Companies aren't producing because of that price. They can't really make it go any lower, or they're going to be unprofitable. Yeah, and there's companies that can actually extract it at such low costs now. So if you see natural gas prices go up to $3.50, a lot more people can now extract natural gas at that price, which is going to have that pressure pushing down on pricing. So, you know, you were talking about oil being pushed up because of the, the cost. Natural gas is moving the other way, right. where people are get, extracting it more efficiently. They're finding new places where they can get it cheaper. So there's that other uh, force pushing prices down. You know that's good news because diesel's based off of you know oil, natural gas. If it remains low, you might have a dollar to dollar twenty savings over diesel. Uh, that's good news for natural gas uh, vehicles. We just built the energy house. We set a floor and a ceiling. Floor with oil and a ceiling with natural gas. And pretty interesting stuff and something for readers and listeners to consider when investing in a supply and demand driven commodity like oil and natural gas because stock prices are heavily driven by that uh, as, as has been seen the past couple weeks so that's our show today glad you guys are able to tune in 
Taylor, or for Joel, I'm Taylor. Move on.